take this off? There we go. I was just giving some great encouragement to our production team. If you didn't hear it, you guys are wonderful. And um, everyone that, that took part in that, it was, um, it was a lot of fun, but it's so good just to get those, those different encouragements in and hear so many people inviting friends to watch that. Um, I, I had, um, uh, I've had so many messages uh, asking me, did you drink the glass of wine that was next to you in the little message bit that you did? Um, truth be told, we only got the glass out of the garage a couple of minutes before. I've been gathering dust for 12 months. So... Um, I don't think there's any chance we're going to drink that, that horrible mix. But there we go. Anyway, today, um, as Ben said, and you struggled to watch me get this, this mic off, there we go. We've done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, today, we are... Yes, round of applause in the room. Thank you very much. Um, we're, we're launching our, our month of prayer. And as, as Ben said, if you've not got one of these booklets yet, then do get in touch with the office and we can um, post one out to you. And um, just to, to re-highlight the, the daily focus is there, just to help us be praying together strategically for different things in, in our, uh, ourselves, our, our church, our city. Uh, and if you, if you want to find out a little bit more information about that, you can head to our, our website, gracechurchnottingham.org forward slash prayer, uh, which gives you an opportunity to sign up to get a little bit inf- more information each day from someone involved in, let's say, education or involved in health and social care, who can kind of paint a bit of a picture of what that's like and uh, just to, to help you to pray, really. Um, but I'm so excited to see what God uh, does with us during this month as we uh, pray. Not only our, uh, does our world around change as, as God answers our prayers, but we ourselves change. And uh, that's why I'm so excited to see what God is going to do with us um, during this month. And it, it's why today I, I want to kick us off with a, a call to arms, really. Uh, I want to use uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 10, if you've got a Bible, turn there now. And um, j- just to say that if, if, you're, if you're new to, um, to, to the Bible, Ephesians is a, a letter that Paul, one of the leaders in the early church, uh, wrote to a church and likely churches ar- around the city of Ephesus, which is uh, modern-day Turkey. Uh, and in chapter 6, he, uh, he, he, he draws a sort of analogy of, of a Roman soldier and, and the, the weaponry that that soldier would have uh, and attributes sort of an ethical value to each uh, piece of armor and says that that kind of spiritually is the armor we wear in the Christian life. Um, Paul was in prison as he wrote this letter, so there was likely a Roman soldier uh, standing very near to him to to give him some inspiration. And uh, so as I read the passage, I just want to encourage you to to look out for that. It'll just help make sense of of what we're speaking about today. So here it is, uh, chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God's that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Why don't we begin by just praying together? Uh, Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves uh, to your word, to its authority, to um, the, the revelation of um, who you are, of what you're like. We recognize that um, as, as we read it, uh, we don't read so much read it as, as it reads us, shines a light into our own hearts. And so as, as we come to uh, see what you want to say to us today through it, would you um, show yourself, Lord? Would you help us to make sense of the world around us? Would you build us up in Jesus and cause our dependency not to be on ourselves or our own strategies? but purely and solely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I personally have some quite special memories uh, of this particular passage um, in Scripture. This is what I um, did my university dissertation on, actually. And uh, so for those of you that went to university, I, I wonder if you've uh, ever reread uh, the dissertation that you did uh, and had that feeling of, what on earth was I on about in that particular section? Definitely had that in a few bits. Um, but, I, but I wanted to do it because this idea of putting on the armor of God can get so over-spiritualized um, in, in Christian circles that almost it can seem like some kind of weird Christian ritual or something like that. And perhaps summarized most by... Um, the, the armor of God pajamas that I found um, in researching it, um, protecting you and your family against the devil's schemes as you sleep at night, it's it just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, but actually, the, this passage, it summarizes the entire letter um, of Ephesians, Ephesians and it, it gives us a great promise that a church wearing this armor will be able to stand against the devil's schemes. And so I, I want to look at it in three points. So firstly, the battle we fight, which is verses 10 to 13, the armor we wear, verses 14 to 17, and then the prayers we pray, verses 18 uh, through to 20. So first off, the, the battle we fight. Now in 2019, Empire Magazine did a survey of the best TV shows of all time. And they came up with the top 100. So here's a few that I know different people in the church are fans of. So in at number 89, Gilmore Girls. Don't know how on earth that made it in there. Um, Scrubs, every medic's favorite, in at number 69. Um, Friends, number five. You know, we're getting near the top now. I'm sure you're all wondering what one Breaking Bad seemed number one. I haven't seen it. I know enough about it to know. I'm not sure how much I should say about it in sermons, uh, but there we go. Um, but in at number 22 was a personal favorite of mine, the TV show 24. 24. Now, it would be cool if it was in at number 24 in the list, right? Um, but then Jack Bauer always was ahead of the game, wasn't he? So um, if you don't know the show... Uh, first released 2001, uh, U.S. Uh, agent Jack Bauer, um, who, who fights an um, entirely realistic uh, battle uh, to, to, to save the world and fights off various terrorists and what have you. And uh, he used to have this one of those flick phones. I really wanted one. It looked so cool. Kind of every call he had seemed so important. And then he flicked the phone at the end. Um, but my life was completely made when one day in the Grace Church office, we got some new phones installed. And as the first phone call, the ringtone happened, it was the same ringtone that came from CTU, the counter-terrorist unit in, in 24. And it made every phone call appear like we were dealing with top-secret information. It was so exciting. Whereas in reality, it's like, someone outside, can you go and let them in, please? Or yeah, something like that. I used to love 24. That was until 
I discovered the series format, and it kind of spoilt it for me a, a little bit, where Jack Bauer would be fighting you know, whatever terrorist organization he, he was fighting. Um, and then partway through, there would be the dawning realization that actually, behind all of that was a much bigger battle. And he would face a kind of a, a bigger enemy on, on a wider scale, have to kind of change um, his, his strategy. Life feels like a battle right now, doesn't it? I don't need to uh, describe that too much. I'm sure we can all identify with it. But what this passage is saying is that actually it is part of a much larger war. And our battle is not, this passage says, ultimately against coronavirus or the government restrictions. It's not ultimately for economic recovery or the comfortable life or self-fulfillment. Actually, it says in verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, that's not any kind of like ranking of spiritual forces. It's just a, a number of different ways of, of describing the, the same thing, the devil and his angels, um, the spiritual forces of evil. And these are things that they operate in the spiritual realm but they are not separate to our existence. And we find that so hard to comprehend in our materialistic society, don't we? Where very often we just deal with what's in front of us and what, what we can see physically with our eyes. These things are not up there, out the way. Actually, verse 12 says we, we wrestle. We wrestle. That, that, it's a close battle. You can't wrestle with something that, that, that you are not engaged with. These things affect our lives. How? Well, one of the descriptions it uses is, is to say that these are the powers over the present darkness. So that is everything in this world that is dark. Everything beyond that is dark and evil. When sin entered the world, in, in Genesis chapter 3, Satan got a, a foothold, a, a grip over creation, and it soured the cosmos in all manner of ways, such that Paul can describe earlier on in the letter, in chapter 2, he could label the, the devil as the, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, whom, uh, among whom we all once lived. And so that is why you get things like the, the xenophobia that arose during the Brexit process or the, the, the horrible fatalities of COVID and the, the accompanying um, uh, emotional and, and relational, financial, even spiritual impact of the restrictions. It's why we have grave racial and social injustice in our society. It's why we have a society that refuses to acknowledge God and instead worships the self with its gods of Self-comfort, self-fulfillment, self-progress. It's why we have laws permitting what the Bible says is wrong. It's why we even have our own indifference to the purity of our character, distracted as we are by all manner of temptations, money, sex, power. Those things all show evil at work, but they're not our ultimate enemy. That's what verse 12 is saying. It's just the first part of the 24 series, if you like. They are, as verse 11 puts it, the schemes of the devil. Or verse 16, the fiery darts of the evil one. But the good news is that Jesus, in his death and resurrection, has disarmed the powers. 
He has broken the devil's hold. He has rescued us from his grasp. And one day he will eradicate all evil. The battle rages. Now we can see it all around us in all kinds of ways, can't we? But the victory is secured. And so we fight knowing that Jesus has given us his armor to see it out. To, as the passage says four times, to stand. Knowing that one day he will bring us home. And that's why if you don't know Jesus personally, maybe you're just checking church out today. If Jesus isn't number one priority in your life, I want to plead with you to consider his claims. Because this is no fluffy choice that we're talking about. This isn't just a religious preference or or, or whose community has the nicer people. This is about what side you're on now and for all eternity. This is about a God who loved you so much that he entered into your mess. That he gave himself so that you could be free and you could be forgiven and you could be added to his family. This is about the rescue of your soul. This, everything around us, the Bible says, is warfare. I don't know what you're like with um, with board games. I'm not... um, I'm not the world's biggest fan, uh, personally. My wife always says understatement of the century. But, um, but, but she and her family very much are. And so um, first Christmas that I ever spent with them on my best behavior, um, I uh, come the fourth board game of the first day. Um, I just had um, very, very little competitiveness um, left in me. But one of the ones that I don't mind um, playing so much is the game Pandemic. Many of you will, will know that. Um, a little, uh, little close to home at the moment. Um, if you don't know the game, essentially there's uh, various diseases uh, that sort of take over the world and you have to try and uh, find the cure for them and then eradicate them to, to save the world, if you like. Um, but but there, there is a moment in that game where, where a disease can be beaten because you found the cure, but not yet eradicated from the game. The, the, the little blocks are still in the cities across the board. And, and bit, until it is eradicated, it can still cause havoc. And you can see the obvious kind of COVID parallels uh, with that. But it's a great kind of analogy of the battle that we fight right now. Like we have a powerful enemy, the devil and his demons, who have been beaten but not yet eradicated. And that means that we can't afford to live with a peacetime mentality. Not yet. Even though Western life can appear very, very comfortable A battle still rages. And so we have to know how to fight, lest these powers would would scare us or or lead us to believe that we have to draw on some kind of like inner strength that um, none of us feel we have after the year that we've just had. And so that leads us to, to the second thing, which is the armor that we wear, which is verse 14 to 17, the armor we wear. The passage begins in verse 10 by saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But more literally, it's translated as be strengthened. It's in the passive voice. It's something that's done to us. And that is to say that as part of this identity that we have in God, he can and will strengthen us for the battle. 
And so Paul moves in to describe um, this Roman soldier in his armor. And um, it's here where youth groups around the globe go wild with this passage, in dressing their youth leaders up in all manner of costumes relating into these different bits of, uh, um, of armor. And uh, I remember in my own uh, youth group, we dressed our youth leader up, I think, in a, a dish drainer for the breastplate of righteousness, uh, some kind of colander for the, uh, the helmet of salvation. And all I can say is that youth, guys, if you're watching, next time you're together, just, just plead with Ashley you know, I really feel like we need to kind of study the Word of God a bit more. Like this passage, Ephesians chapter 6, is so relevant right now. And let's see if we can get Adrian Jackson dressed up in some kind of bizarre costume. Get it all over social media. I'm sure we'd all love that. But there's loads of New Testament parallels here. But the whole thing is actually based in, in, in the Old Testament idea of God as warrior. And his Messiah wearing his character which in the gospel now becomes our new identity. It particularly comes from the, the book of Isaiah, a, a prophet who, who foretold not just the present situation, but what was to come. And so just have a look at some of the things that, that, that are said in that uh, in, in relation to, to what we've read in the armor of God. So 59.17, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. 52.7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. It's the same word as gospel, who publishes peace. Or 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Each piece of armor in this Ephesians passage, it it describes God's very character that Jesus brings as he comes to earth and experiences our pain and our temptations. He experiences the schemes of the enemy and he stands firm against them. But he gives his life on the cross so that we might have life. He lives in truth. He lives in righteousness. He brings about our salvation. He is our peace. And in his death and resurrection, we too, the old us, dies. And the new us, a new creation in Jesus, is risen to life in full newness of life. And Jesus now gives us a new identity as his people in him. And so what the armor of God is saying is this new identity that you have, now you're in Jesus, wear it, wear it out, wear it. Chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians are all about this is what God has done for you in the gospel. The second half of Ephesians is all about this is how to live in light of it. This is four, four, uh, chapter 4, verse 24. Put on the new self, created in the likeness of God. This new person that you now are because of Jesus, wear it. Because it's who you are. It's ultimately to be like Jesus. Because you're in him now. It's who you are. You're rescued from the devil's grasp. And God's promise is that with this armor, we can stand. You'll notice it's we. In the Greek here, all the um, imperatives, that is the, the commands, they're, they're all in the plural. Paul's speaking here to people as part of a church community. This isn't just some kind of individual battle. It's more than that. It's perhaps most shown in, in the shield of faith, which um, the, the Roman shield would have been a, a full body length shield 
It was made of wood. It had an iron frame, and it was covered with leather on the front, which would be dipped in water, so that when the fiery darts of the enemy came, literally arrows that had been set on fire, they would kind of stick into the leather and be snuffed out by the water that it held. But the point is that it's not just one person carrying a shield around, but exposed in all manner of other directions. No, you fight together. You would stand with your shield, and the guy next to you would be standing with their shield as well, and so also the next person. You create a barrier. The people behind you would put their shields over your head so that together as community, we make a barrier. The lone soldier does not stand. We fight as a unit. And so this, even the the month of prayer, this isn't just an individual battle. This is about us supporting one another together. This is about us fighting together. This is about us standing together and encouraging one another. Because as we do this together, it's then that we can stand. And that is his promise, that we will stand, which is such an encouragement to those feeling particularly weary right now. This is a work that the Holy Spirit brings about. And so our job is simply to respond in faith to live deliberately to this end. Which brings me lastly to the prayers we pray. And uh, in verse 18 and 20, I'll just pick out a few phrases that it, that it uses. Uh, the first one, uh, praying. Um, prayer undergirds it all. All of this armor, prayer undergirds every single aspect of it. And yet it's so easy for prayer to be forgotten because it's not as assigned as a a particular kind of weapon in the same way as a a shield or or a breastplate. And particularly if we just see the sort of the end of this letter as the beginnings of kind of the sort of, yeah, all right, see you later kind of comments, we can just forget about it. And so my youth leader who went out wearing his uh, colander and the dish drainer, all the armor actually is just a soldier fighting in self-reliance. There's no prayer kind of attached to it. But, but all of the participles here, praying, keeping alert, making supplication, they, they don't just relate to the immediate preceding verse. They're not just about verse 17. Take the, the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, word of the God, uh, praying at all times in the Spirit. They are that, but so much more. They relate to verse 14. Stand, therefore. When Paul talks about prayer, he's telling us this is how you stand. This is how we put on the armor. How do we wear the belt of truth and live in the truth of who we are? It's in the quiet place. It's battling. It's declaring our identity in prayer. How do we live in light of the righteousness we now have and live righteously because he himself is righteous? It's by praying. Lord Jesus, come to me. Help me to live in a righteous way. How do we raise the shield of faith? It's by prayer. Youngie Cho, who's the, um, the, the pastor of the, the largest church in the world, um, uh, just 830,000 people. Um, I bet they don't post these things out to their members, that's, that's for sure. Um, he was once asked, what do you put the, the growth of your church down to? He said this, he said, we pray and we obey. And the interview is a bit confusing, like, no, come on, there's surely there's a bit more to that and the strategy and the staffing and there's buildings and finance and... We pray and we obey. There's a church in, in the UK, a Kingsgate church in Peterborough, where um, 
every uh, uh, three or four months, um, the, uh, the strategy team uh, go on a, what's called a learning community, where with other churches around the nation, we just explore different aspects of church life and how to kind of um, grow them sort of wider and, and deeper. And um, Kingsgate hosting, they're a brilliant church, really inspirational, multiple thousands, lots that's very, very impressive about them. And they, they have a, a mantra where they say, anything that is not birthed in prayer is birthed in pride. Ouch. I wonder if we take that to heart, how that affects our ministry, our family, our workplace. You know, Paul wrote this in about 62 AD. In 64 AD, there was a fire in Rome. Remember, Paul's in prison in Rome. There's a great big fire. It destroyed like two-thirds of the city. Uh, Nero, the emperor, released a wave of persecution of Christians, who he blamed um, for, for the fire, just decided to blame them. And in 65 AD, just three years after writing this, uh, Paul was martyred, um, quite possibly off the back of this, this persecution. And he left a legacy of gospel mission undergirded by prayer. And do you know for us, this, this vision that God has given us to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates what we do here across the UK, it really is worth giving your whole life to. But there will come a time where we will no longer minister to Nottingham. Some of us will go to uh, be part of church plants. Some of us, the Lord will move us on or just kind of feelings of life generally into other cities. For some of us, it'll be going to glory. But the legacy that we leave here will depend on the prayers that we pray. The legacy we leave here will depend on the prayers that we prayed. Because prayer changes us. It inspires us. It empowers us. Verse 19 talks about perseverance. It builds that in us. Prayer reorients our perspective. But it also opens doors. And it also changes situations. And it also brings in the kingdom of God. Paul encourages us to pray in verse 18 at all times. Now, that's a particular challenge, isn't it? Because you think, what, what does that actually mean? Like, surely that can't mean like every single second of the day I'm like asking God to move in a particular situation. You know, we know from Paul's life, he did plenty of other things in his life. But what he did have continually was an attitude of total dependence. And that's why he uses the word all for emphasis in verse 18. At all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, make a keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so when, it, when, he, when he refers to this alertness that we're to have, it's about us trying to find those prompts in our day-to-day lives to help us to pray. So we can pray in the, the mundane. You know, as we're getting ready for the day or our next meeting or, or shopping or starting our next task, we, we can pray whenever we recognize the work of the enemy. Like any evil, any sadness, any pain or distraction from the gospel or, 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 or grave error or grievous sin, like we can use that to pray. We can pray as the situation that we're in demands. We, um, we, uh, my wife Emma and I just about to move house at the moment since um, uh, we had a, a previous house that we, we went to, we prayed about, seen the right one, um, and went in for it, offer accepted, etc. And then it, it just collapsed, the, the whole thing collapsed. It's quite usual in the, the house buying process. And um, 
I, and I'd love to say that our first inclination was, was to immediately go to God in prayer. It's probably to get a bit frustrated and a bit annoyed and all of these kind of things. But we did then get there to pray. And as we then prayed, as the situation demanded, then um, other possibilities just started to open up. And the same day that that, that house, um, house purchase collapsed, all manner of other things fell into place. We actually found another one. So then we began to pray onto that one. Um, it seemed like God was guiding us there. You think, yes, come on, it's here. But there's another great delay and so we prayed again and we slowly started to learn that actually God uses these things to test us and to shape us and to to mold us into uh, his likeness and we've continued to pray pray since finally we exchanged before Christmas hallelujah we got there but the point is that we've got to have this attitude of continual dependency on him and how do we do it well Paul says that we pray at all times in the spirit in the spirit. He says, chapter 5, verse 18, that we're to go on being filled with the spirit. Do you know, it's, it's biblically sensible to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you to help you to pray. Some of you be like, no, come on, that's just a waste of time. No, it's about strategy. Think about back to the pandemic game I talked about earlier. There, there are so many times in that game where you need to do something, you know, clear a city or remove a, a disease cube or whatever it is, when there is so much more to be getting on with. But when we start in prayer, we're so much more effective. When we ask the Spirit to come and help us to pray, we pray in line with His will. We pray more effectively, we pray more strategically. He says, with all prayer and supplication. What does that mean? There's a general word and then a specific word. So the NIV has it well. If you've got that translation, it says all kinds of prayers, general word, and requests, specific word. So he's saying that when we pray, we can ask, we can thank, we can lament, we can repent, we can long for, we can unload, we can chat and sing and speak in tongues. Prayer, he's saying, is how we appropriate these weapons. Prayer is how we put on the armor of God. Time's getting short, so I'm going to have to wrap up. But let me just, just finish by saying this. That every so often, God in his kindness hands to us a, a particular opportunity to go deeper in him, to be, to be changed, to join in with a, a fast tracking of the extension of his kingdom in our world. And that's what I believe that this month of prayer is for us, a, a unique moment in God where, where the outcome of the whole will be greater than the sum of our individual parts. And yes, it's January, and yes, it's tough, and yes, it takes a while to get going, and yes, there's decisions needed to um, pray along with the daily focuses in the booklet or attend the prayer meetings in person or or on Zoom. But we've got to choose which battle we're going to fight, whether it's the battle that is in front of us or the bigger war that the passage describes. Jesus has equipped us, and he's called us, and now empowers us to stand in prayer for ourselves, for our church, for our city. So come on, let's pray. Let's just invite the band up, and um, maybe where you are, we're just going to finish off this morning by praying together, actually. And um, I'd love to encourage you, if, if you're up for it, just to stand up from your sofa or um, wherever you're at. Um, 
because we, we're going to do, just for a couple of minutes, some praying together. And just think that there are um, hundreds across the city just um, joining, joining in with this, whether it's in the, the live stream now or the, the one at eight o'clock um, or, or watching it on YouTube. And we're, we're going to use the first daily focus uh, from the booklet. Some of you will have seen this, some of you not yet, um, which talks about um, praying for ourselves and, and in particular in the area of expectation for the year ahead. And it, it, it talks about praying for breakthroughs and praying for God's provision, and praying for kingdom perspective in this year. How we approach this year, our mindset is going to make a huge, huge difference. There's so much temptation to be distracted and discouraged. We want to go at it knowing that God is good, and God will provide for us. So just for a a minute or so, I want to encourage each of us out loud where we are, and we'll do the same in the room, just to begin to pray. And the band will just begin to play in the background just to help give us a bit of atmosphere. We're going to pray for ourselves for our expectations in this year. Come on, just begin to lift your voices where you are. Just come to God. Bring him your situation. Tell him how you're feeling. You can thank, you can ask, you can lament, you can just chat to him. uh, He just loves to hear your voice. He just loves to hear you express your heart to him. 